Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New take you to places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist turn and touchdown of the Saints season that is going to be a touchdown Taysom Hill to Taysom TD welcome to inside black and gold and that is going to be a touchdown again and guess who Mike Thomas now here are your hosts Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak <laughs> oh baby Hey y'all, who dat? Welcome in. I am Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold and Woof. That's the word of the day. Woof. Uh, Anyone who is watching on YouTube, as you can probably tell, I'm in a hotel room. So if the sound is a little meh, I apologize in advance. Let me know in the comments if there are any issues and I'll try to fix them. Obviously, this is not my optimal setup, although I am using my iPhone for this. So... Uh, the 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 actual like picture is probably way better than what you're used to, but the sound is not great. Either way, I stayed out in LA, so I at least got a full night's sleep. Unlike the team who had that miserable flight back and got home at 5 a.m. But we're going to talk about it. Saints 22, Rams 30. You know the uh, the quote that comes to mind is they are who we thought they were, and it's not about the opponent; it's about the Saints, right? You know we've been hearing all year long about how this is an inconsistent team. There's talent. They 
rarely look prepared for big games. And that was the story of this game. Saints went out to LA and got bullied. If you didn't watch the game and just looked at the final score, this is the perfect example of a, the score is not indicative of just how much of a beat down this game was for the New Orleans Saints. And we're going to keep, we're going to go into this here. This is going to be just a, a two segment pod. Steve's not feeling well, so we were unable to get him on here. So it's just going to be me. I'm going to give you kind of my takeaways here in the first segment, what worked, what didn't. You know, obviously there's a lot of bad in this game, but there are a few things to point to that did work. So as always, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get a little bit of positivity in here, but trust me, that is going to be minimal because this was ugly and there's no way to sugarcoat that this is a, this is a loss that, in my opinion, defines this season in a way that we haven't seen yet. In a way that, you know, going up to this point, you had a chance to you say like, hey, things went badly, you're dealing with injuries, whatever. There's no excuse for what happened. You know, the funny thing is earlier this season, right, in the preseason when the when the schedule came out, I predicted this as a 28 to 14 Saints loss. And, and I got told I was dumb at that point because the Rams were trash last year and everyone was kind of selling the Rams. Um, but I think, you know, there's there's a few takeaways from this game. One is that that's a very good Rams team, a much better Rams team than I thought going in. Uh, so, you know, I, I'll take the L on that. Like, I did not think that that offense – was going to be as impressive as it was. Even watching them play the last several weeks, it's like, you know what, we'll see. But, you know, I think we saw a team that's like, you saw two seven and seven teams starting that game. And by the end of it, it was, couldn't be clearer that they are on different planets in terms of how well they're playing right now. And the Rams, you know, Matthew Stafford is legit. Puka Nakua, you know, if you thought that was just a flash in the pan, no, he's legit. Um, so we're going to talk about that. In the second segment, we're going to get into a mailbag. So you have comments questions, whatever, throw them in there and, and we'll get to as many of those as possible. But, you know, first things first, you know, that we talked about this earlier in the season. And so my stock up, stock down column, which is on WWL.com right now, if you want to go check it out and follow along, go ahead. I'm kind of just going to go through that and, and kind of hit on the, the, the things that stood out to me in this game. And the, but the first one is, is not even about this game. It's about this season. And the conversation I had with Alvin Kamara earlier this year in that you look at teams that are playing into January. You look at teams that make the playoffs. You look at teams that make noise and have a chance to do something special at the end of the year. And almost without fail, you know, occasionally you'll see a team sneak into the playoffs without any sustained success throughout the season and kind of middling the whole way and whatever, you know, the Seahawks at 79 come to mind. The Commanders a couple of years ago when they uh, squeaked in past the Giants because the Eagles kind of, you know, tank the second half of that week 18 game, you know, like you'll see some teams get there in a majority of instances, you need to string together a couple of more than more than a couple of wins. You need to string together an actual streak of wins. And to do that, you have to not only beat the bad teams, but you have to show up when the competition improves, when the competition takes a step up, you have to step up. And that's what in this season, you have not seen, and that is directly reflective on the coaching. It's directly reflective on the preparation. This was always going to be a difficult road trip. Thursday night, West Coast. That's about as difficult as you can get for a Saints team, for any team, having to deal with that on a short week. You always knew it was going to be difficult. The reason this loss stings as hard as it does 
is because you were unable to take advantage of any of the opportunities earlier in the season to make this a game that you could afford to lose, right? This is going to be a season where you do not win more than two consecutive games. In the last two seasons, you have had one stretch where you have won more than two consecutive games. That was last year, weeks 15, 16, and 17. It was barely enough to get you to a 7-10 and 10 record in the end, right? This is a team that cannot sustain any type of positive momentum. You won the first two games of the season. You go out to Green Bay. There was an injury. It's tough. You can, you can explain that one away in terms of you lost a starting quarterback. Either way, that was a prime opportunity to get to 3-0, and and right now you'd be sitting and looking at, okay, well, they still have a chance, right? They don't have to hope for the Jags to go into Tampa without their starting quarterback and knock off the Bucks to keep things alive here, right? You couldn't get it done. Week 10, you win two games, you beat the Colts, you beat the Bears, you go out to Minnesota, and you lay the biggest egg possible. You're down 21 points at halftime, right? Fast forward. You win two games in a row. You beat the Panthers. You beat the Giants. You go out to L.A. I'm sorry. I think I said L.A. I meant Minnesota. Uh, you go out to L.A. And what do you do? You do the exact same thing. You cannot get anything going. You look like you were not prepared to play this game. Right? The biggest game of your season. The This is a playoff game. We're going to say that going in. We're going to talk about it. We need to come out with a playoff level intensity and you did not do it the only thing that reflected the the gravity of this game was that you had a head coach who was coaching as if this was an acc team going up against alabama those were the type of decisions right when you're talking about fourth and five we gotta go because if we don't outscore this team we're not gonna win well what does that mean what does that mean as a defensive head coach it means that you do not feel like your team is good enough to go toe to toe and not make these decisions that if they go badly, we'll be like, what the hell were you doing, right? You're coaching as if you are the significantly worst team in this matchup. And you know why you do that? Because you are, because you are what your performance says you are. And that is to me, the most damning thing about this team. It's not the quarterback, it's not whatever you wanna say. It is that this team isn't good enough, right? The setup of this team, the structure of this team, how you have chosen to go about the last few years, it's not good enough. You have not put a product on the field that is capable of winning big games. And that's what fans are mad about, right? That, that is the most justified reason to say, fire this man into the sun. Because these are the types of games that define you as a head coach, that define you as a team. You have Morton Anderson, Morton freaking Anderson out there tweeting about how you are letting your fans down, right? <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I think it was Fletcher Mackle, maybe it was Sharif Ishak. They tweeted a, a clip of Jim Mora after the game, which is like, I, I, I love Jim Mora. Every, <laughs> he's so funny. You know, he's still like, every time he talks, it's just like, you know what? Get this guy. Like, this is the energy I want. I want a guy who's going to go out there and, and say, you know, we got our ass beat and it's my fault. It is, we did not show up ready. And to me, that's like the biggest stock down thing I can give you is this team. You know, if, if you had, if you were harboring any delusions that this team was anything more than a mediocre team in a bad division and the entire NFC is seven and seven or six and eight or whatever, and all you have to do is prove that you are competitive in that group to make the playoffs, you were unable to do it. So to me, that's, you know, I, like, 
we can talk about how they still have a chance, how, you know, the box that you have two division games left. Well, unless you get a gift, it doesn't matter because the Panthers aren't beating the Bucks in week 18. It's either the Jaguars beat the Bucks on Sunday or you're playing just to save face over the final two weeks of the season. And that's gross. In a season you went into knowing that this was probably the easiest path you were ever going to get to the postseason. You know, like the funny thing is, I don't think the NFC South is going to be that much better next season. So you're probably going to have another incredibly easy schedule and we will have the same conversations then. But I don't know what you look at in this game in this season and say, yeah, 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 yeah. You're on the right track. They're they're so close because they're not. They're not close. They're not close. And we saw in this game just exactly how not close this team is. Because 30 to seven in the fourth quarter, I don't care. You blocked a punt. You hit a couple nice plays. Juwan Johnson made a nice catch in the end zone. A.T. Perry probably got away with offensive pass interference, whatever. He made a nice catch in the end zone. You're, you've been perfect on two-point conversions this year. It's one of the only things that's gone right. You know, you blocked three punts, but you technically don't have credit for a blocked punt, which is weird. Uh, but, you know, like those, those little things you did well kept you at the point where you could have this desperate comeback to make the final few minutes somewhat interesting. But no, this was not a game that you look at and find any true silver linings from. You got your ass beat in this game, right? And and you should be embarrassed about that. The Saints should be embarrassed about that. The front office should be embarrassed about that. The players should be embarrassed about that. The coaching staff should be, you know, polishing resumes. That's what this type of game is. This is a polish up your resumes type game because I don't see how you can come back with, you know, even if you kept the head coach, so much of this team has to change. And I just don't see the routes to getting better. And that's just a product of how you've managed this team, how you have allowed the roster to kind of age and not improve in certain positions, how you have missed on so many high draft picks. And even the draft picks you've made, you're benching them, right? You've benched. So so this so far this season, you have benched two of your top three picks from the 2022 draft. Think about that. Alante Taylor got benched in this game. And, and you know, while well, you could argue, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that's an overreaction, whatever. He was playing terribly. And, and it's a product of, okay, well, well, you put him in the slot. I don't think he's a slot corner, right? He's going to stay in the slot. I asked Dennis Allen today. He's going to stay there. Um, but I think going forward, you need to seriously consider, hey, how do we get this guy on the outside? And I don't know. I don't know how you – the route you take to try to rebuild this team. But, uh, you know, that's what you have to start thinking about now. Like, I – from the front office perspective, I don't think you can look at this and say, well, the story is still being written. No, the story's written. We know the story of this team. We've seen it play out time after time after time after time. And I, I held out longer than most, right? I, I'm, I'm always going to be the eternal optimist in the sense of, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know what's going to happen in these games until I watch what happens in these games. Because there's hundreds of ways this can play out, right? If you convert on that fourth and five, you go down, you go into halftime with a lead, maybe this is a different game. It doesn't matter, but I think that's the fair approach. You give guys a fighting chance, but when they show you what they are, you have to understand what they are. And so that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this game. Going down the line here, there's two other major things that, that stood out to me in this game. And, you know, the feel-good story this year was Isaac Adam. And I still think Ike has had a great season relative to what your expectations were. I think Paul Santibo has also had a great season, but, I think this was the first game that you went into and you were like, man, not having Marshawn Lattimore is a serious, serious disadvantage because this was the first team, you know, like that, that's one thing that, you know, we can talk about the Saints in this game. Another element of this game, and I've said it already, is the Rams are a very good team. 
And the fact that they're seven and seven is probably misleading in that sense. But man, the, the secondary that has played pretty well all season and probably above their weight class, they got punked. Puka Nakua, you know, I asked Ike Adam after the game, what makes him so difficult to cover? And it's like, he's just strong. He's just a strong dude. He, he battles you and he beats you. And you saw that, like the, the, the play that iced the game <laughs> was a perfect example of that. They got, gave the ball to Puka on an end around. Paulson Adebo shoots it, gets a clean hit on him, and he just bounces right off. This is a wide receiver. This isn't Christian McCaffrey. This isn't Saquon Barkley. This is Puka Nakua. And he just bounced off, fought forward, got the first down in a moment where it's like, hey, you've got a chance to get the ball back and do something pretty insane, which would be coming back from a, what, 23-point deficit with six minutes to go. And so, yeah, I mean, like that, I was wondering, you know, because I, I haven't had a ton of chances to watch Puka play live. Man, that dude is as good as advertised. And the funny thing is, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't good in this game. It was Demarcus Robinson was the, was the guy you couldn't cover. Puka, Cooper Cup was actually – you know, there were several chances for them to convert on third down in the red zone, and he wasn't able to make the play. It's like you would think going in, like, man, if Cooper's not the one who beats us, we feel pretty good about it. Well, no, not when you allow 164 yards and a touchdown, 240-something yards combined between Puka and Demarcus Robinson, a guy I wasn't even – I wasn't even on my radar going into this game, really, in terms of, like, yeah, that guy's going to dominate. Kyron Williams, you know – another guy who i think going in everyone's like oh is kyron really that good well i think you know we got the we got the answer but it's also just this defense got punked at every level they didn't get pressure they weren't able to get matt stafford to the ground a couple times and matt made some pretty incredible throws let's be real like matt stafford is playing at an incredibly high level um but this defense is supposed to be a strength of the team that's just not right now um it's not good enough to to make a difference in this game and that coverage between uh, I think I think Paulson played reasonably well in this game. And Paulson, as your CB1, is probably not necessarily at an elite level. But Paulson, I don't think he's the reason you lost this game. Uh, I think it's, you know, Alante Taylor, Ike Adam were not good enough in their roles. And, you know, I, I you can make the argument that it should be Alante on the outside. But, again, Ike's played well. It's like you can't you, – you can't, it's easy to go back in hindsight and say, yeah, they should have gone with Alante instead of Ike, but Ike's been delivering for you. So I don't fault them for going with him in this game, but I think it's like, yeah, when you talk about, man, what is missing Marshawn Lattimore? How has that impacted your chances to win in this game? I think it had a significant impact on your chances to win. One other element that just did not, did not do anything today. And, and honestly has been a pretty major story of this season is the run blocking. Ah, bad, bad. You can't, if you can't pass protect and you can't run block what are you as an offensive line, right? You didn't have Ryan Ramchek, Landon Young. Again, it's like, you know, I think it's just like the, the more you expose a, a backup to offensive lineman, the, the, the more difficult it's going to be. And, you know, we didn't see him have a particularly good game. We didn't see the, any, any push in the run game, right? And you knew Aaron Donald was going to be a problem. And you get one-dimensional, you average 2.2 yards a carry, you don't have a chance. Um, you know, the play action worked early. I don't think it worked late. Just not good. And, and the, you know, the, I don't know if you blame it on the running backs. I don't know if you blame it on the, the, the scheme, you know, you, you just weren't able to get anything done in the run game. And, you know, people are complaining that Taysom didn't get enough reps. Well, when Taysom did get in the game, he got just rocked, right? What, you know, you look at that and say, yeah, you should keep hammering Taysom. But in this game, that, that was not working. 
you know, I think he had he had one that was like a first down carry, maybe second down carry. He got one for negative three yards. Like they were getting him in the backfield. I don't know how healthy Taysom is, but I don't think he was the answer in this game because you couldn't find an answer in the run game, and that's very disappointing. Um, you know, we can we can go through. You know, Derek Carr. <laughs> every game the Saints don't play well, you're going to blame the quarterback. He, I wouldn't say he had a great game, but I think this game was more about the offensive line. Because here's the thing, Derek Carr, at this point in the season, we know what Derek Carr is. And I think that's where it's frustrating is, you know, you look at a Matthew Stafford and you say, well, that's what we, we thought we were getting is, is a guy who just makes you miserable on defense and always makes the right reads and can make all these throws. He's not going to scramble but he can get it done from the pocket and he can make, he can elevate your offense. And what you have in Derek Carr is a, I would say an average quarterback, like an average to slightly above average quarterback who is a, is a, just a high level game manager. He's not a player who's going to extend plays in a league where all of the elite quarterbacks can extend plays in a league where, you have a lot of quarterbacks who can make up for deficiencies on their offenses. And you don't have that in Derek Carr. And, and again, like the reason I don't think he played poorly is because this is what, what Derek Carr is, right? It's like you, you can continue to look at Derek Carr and say, I need you to be better than you are. But in reality, the issue is the pieces around Derek Carr are not good enough for a game manager quarterback to manage the game. Because that's what Derek Carr is. Like, let's be real. You know, you overpaid for a game manager. You can win with Derek Carr. You need the pieces around him to be perfect. And the pieces around him are never going to be perfect. And that's why it feels hopeless. Because you don't have the offensive line, right? You've spent the first round pick on the left tackle. And he's not even your backup. Ryan Ramchek, you invested all this money. And he's got a knee that has me seriously concerned. So that's not going to get the job done. Alvin Kamara is 28. He's not getting any younger. Jamal Williams has not been a factor. Kendra Miller has not been a factor. The, 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 the wide receivers are the only saving grace of this team, of this offense at least. And if you can't keep your quarterback clean in the pocket, he can't get them the ball. So that's not going to work, right? It's just, a, it, it's just not a setup that is conducive to a quarterback who can't move, right? And so the, you know, the interception was bad. You know, I think he got his arm hit. It was a, it was a bad decision to try to loft that ball over either way. It's like, that's just a bad interception. You can't make right there, but it's like, okay, you're trying to make a play. I understand it. You know, like Chris Olave, um, you know, there was a couple bad drops. I thought he, you know, when you consider what he's playing through, you know, I thought he played really well. The drops are tough, but what, what do you do? You know, like not, not, no, no receiver is going to make every catch. I think he had nine catches for 130 yards in this game, not including the two-point conversion, which doesn't technically count as a catch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that's that's the frustrating part, is you have hitched your wagon to a quarterback who, in a perfect situation, I think could get the job done. This is not a perfect situation, and it will not be a perfect situation. And because of that, you are going to continue to struggle. You are going to continue to see these long stretches of ineffective play, particularly when you go up against a defensive line that harasses you, that is going to get pressure, that is not reliant on blitzes to get to you. That's where the Saints have struggled. It hasn't been about the blitzes. It's been about picking up a front four, right? 
Because when Jamal Williams gets beat, he's not got he, – there's nothing there. You are not making a guy miss. Um, but, yeah, and, and so, like, that's – I think I've, I've kind of said my piece here. Um, you can't run the ball. You can't block. You can't pressure the quarterback. You know, you, <laughs> you can't force turnovers. You know, your quarterback can't extend plays. And, and this is what you have is an average team who plays poorly on big stages – and does not have a quarterback that would be considered among those who can elevate you into a a better offense than you are. And it's it's frustrating. And I don't the 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 real the truly demoralizing part of it is you just don't know. The, the, there's just no clear path to getting through it, right? There's no obvious there's no obvious route to take where you could say this is where you get better, and you're gonna go from there. But. All right, let's uh, let's hit the break. We'll come back. We'll do the mailbag. I'm sure there are plenty of comments in there talking about me falling down off off camera, but with my mic on to uh, to make sure y'all got that sound. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna go get an ice pack, and we'll be uh, right back here on Inside Black and Gold. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some fun comments in there about my uh, about my my fall uh, there a second ago. I feel old. Um, let's see. Let's 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 uh, let's go through. We got Errol. Errol saying, "What the hell is going on?" It's too bad your emoji didn't come through. But yeah, uh, that was. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, like I this. <laughs> so I I got the call and I had to unmute myself because apparently when you get a call and you just don't take it it mutes you, but I have to turn the camera around to unmute myself. <laughs> so I went up to fix that and then <laughs> the chair slid out. So, but when I unmuted myself, that's when this fall happened. So like, if I hadn't unmuted myself, y'all would have never known what happened. I would just be sitting here in pain, but I'm glad you at least got some entertainment value out of that. The dark side says life alert. Yeah, I, I probably, I probably should get that. Anyway, I'm Jeff Nowak. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go through the mailbag here. We're going to get through some stuff. Uh, first, Carl Markey Mark says, I don't know what I hate most. DA and Pete's incompetence, Loomis gaslighting us, or the fact that ownership seems totally checked out. Future looks bleak. I don't think the ownership is any different than the ownership has ever been in the sense that they're going to let the decision makers make the decisions. So, like, I don't, I, again, like, I don't, I don't see Gale's role as being the issue here. More so, I think, you know, the, the way you have managed this whole situation over the last few years has put you in a position where there are limited routes to improvement. Like there, you don't have a ton of draft picks that you've stored up. You don't have the luxury of saying, well, we'll trade this guy off 
we'll trade this guy off, we'll trade off this veteran, we'll trade off this veteran, because you've restructured all their deals. So their their contracts are A, not attractive to a lot of other teams, and B, when they're not on your roster, that cap hit accelerates. So you get it immediately. So it's it's just a very it's a very narrow road where your decisions are aren't like you know, take a take a U-turn, your decisions are take a slightly bare left, slightly bare right. Does that make sense? And and that's and that's the frustration for a lot of people, and I understand it. You know, for from Mickey Lewis' perspective, you know, I think people misunderstand where he's just not going to pull the rug out from under someone. But I, I assure you that he's fully aware of you know the situation that his team is in. And it's just that. Um and yeah, from DA and Pete, it did feel, you know, and it's like, yeah, did, did it not feel like there was a pretty significant coaching mismatch in that game? Like in terms of the talent on the field, you feel like these teams should have been reasonably easily matched. I mean, I'm sorry, evenly matched. So what was the biggest difference? They both had four days to prepare. One team had to fly a few hours, you know, a few hundred miles west, but, you know, they both both these teams only had four days. So why did the Rams plan seem so much better established and and well thought out and effective than the Saints plan was? I'll leave it at that. But it was not it was not pretty. And uh, it does. Yeah, the future does not look great. And there's some tough decisions that are going to be made here. Team Mama was in SoFi. Says in the Saints truly look bad. I'm telling you, SoFi was rocking and had D.A. shook. See, I I. I don't think that stadium is particularly loud. I don't think that stadium is ever particularly loud, right? Even on its worst day, the Superdome is 10 times as loud as that building. Um, I, don't, I don't think the crowd noise was a factor, right? I do think it's funny that the Rams catchphrase is, whose house? Rams house. Because they don't even, that's not even, they're not even the only football team that plays in that building. There were fans cheering that on the way out as they were stripping the midfield logo to replace it with the other team that plays there. So whose house is it? <laughs> I just think that's funny. But no, I mean, SoFi is a beautiful building. I kind of hate it in the sense that everything about LA, and I'm here right now so I can speak from experience, I don't like this city. I really don't. Everything's about aesthetics, including this chair that is that is super awkward to the point that it slides out from under you when you stand up. And, 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 and makes you fall down. Like everything about this city is built to look pretty, but not actually be functional. And that's the same thing with SoFi. It's a $5 billion stadium where it rains inside. <laughs> it's like a half mile walk to anything you want to get to. Even to get picked up from that stadium, I had to walk, I don't know, at least a mile away just so someone could, so I could get in a car and drive away. It's just it, like, it's a pretty stadium. Nothing about it is nice. Uh, anyway, like that's not what we're here to talk about, but I just had to get that off my chest. I do not like LA. There's like three great cities in America. New Orleans is one of them. I don't count LA. The dark side, 35 total rushing yards is why the Saints lost and DA going for an onside kick down one possession with three. I don't know if we talked about the onside kick. I disagreed with it completely. I understand the logic in that you have to stop them either way. And you didn't. So if you didn't stop them at the 50, why would you assume that you would have stopped them at their own, whatever, 25, 20, whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you pin them a little further back, but it's a kickoff. So it's, you know, you can fair catch a kickoff and get it at the 25. So there's really not a ton of ways that you could have reliably gotten them further back than the 25. It's not like a punt where you could say, you know, the fourth down decisions where you could say, well, we could have pinned them and given our defense a chance to go against their offense, where they'd be a little more conservative. That's not the situation on a kickoff. 
So at best, you're looking at the 25. I still think you should have kicked it deep because I do think they would have been more conservative inside their own territory than they were at the 50. The logic that you use is, well, if we don't go for the onside kick, we lose a free opportunity to take the ball away and we still have the chance to stop them. That's the logic. I don't think it's a it's good logic because even if you got the ball, you would have probably scored with too much time on the clock. And I think at the end of the day, it's just such an indictment on this defense and the fact that you don't think that you can get the ball back for your offense. You could have had three timeouts. I'm pretty sure you still wouldn't have got the ball back. And that's the biggest frustration to me. It's it's not necessarily like I don't like the decision, but I'm more frustrated by the fact that you don't think this defense can get a stop. And that's been the case in multiple games this season. Same thing happened against the Falcons, right? Same thing happened against the Lions. You got to be able to get a stop. And they just can't, they can't do it. They can't do it in big moments. Um, and, you know, again, it's like you can be frustrated with Derek Carr. And I am frustrated with Derek Carr. I'm frustrated with the offense. I'm frustrated with everything. But, again, you went into this season thinking one of the reasons that I, I was on board to some extent with the idea of saying, okay, we're going to bring in a quarterback and we're going to go for this thing is that the defense was supposed to be an elite unit. And it's not, it's just not. And like, obviously not having Marshawn, who I would argue was the best player on your entire football team is, is not helping, but he's not the one who's supposed to get a three down stop when they're, they're just going to run the ball. No, like that's just, that's unacceptable. And, and to me, it's like, one of the you kept DA around because you know you, this is kind of the golden age of Saints defense, at least in the modern era. Like not the you know the Dome Patrol was a Dome Patrol, but like in the in the last two decades, right? This is the first time you've looked at the defense of the Saints and been like, you know what, that's that's an elite unit, but they just haven't been this year, and and that to me has been the biggest failure of this team. And you look at the aging pieces, you look at the fact that you've let pieces get away. You've missed on so many draft picks, multiple first round picks that have either been hurt or just have been ineffective. Right. And uh, that's where if, if, if you're, if you're trying to get me on board for the tear it down thing, or I don't care what it costs. I don't care what you have to do. I want to start fresh. I think to me, it's, it's not necessarily about the offensive side of the ball. It's about the fact that you can't play complimentary football with that defense playing the way it did yesterday. And so like, yeah, I just don't see the routes to success that I did at the beginning of the year, because at the beginning of the year, a lot of my logic was based on, you know, like this offense might not be perfect. Right. But if it just needs to be good enough for the defense to win you games, that is not the case. And so uh, if you're looking for me to say I was wrong, I was wrong. Hemisphere says no game planning. The Saints have to fire DA and Carmichael and get them a head coach. Saints will not win games with his coaching staff. They got to go. I I mean, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens these final two weeks, right? Uh, because there is a scenario where the the hand of the Saints is forced. To this point, you've seen a team battle. You have seen the team continue to fight. And when you're weighing whether to fire a head coach or not, that's a big factor, right? Like I don't think the Chargers were gonna fire. Brandon Staley until you go out and lose 63 to 14 to the Raiders, right? Like that's those types of performances speed up that clock in your head where there is value in consistency. And 
there, the question is, when does that value no longer breed success? When does that, when does going, keeping the status quo work against you? And that is when players quit on you, when the performances are not just, are not just not winning performances, but are embarrassing performances. And you are very close to that in this game. It was a trip out West. It was a situation where you're not necessarily going to put your best foot forward. But even by those standards, I don't think that's acceptable. That's not an acceptable excuse in this game. So I think, you know, I don't know where the front office was in terms of the DA decision, the, the fire the coaches, the rebuild everything decision going into this game. I don't know how close they were to that, to pulling that lever, but you definitely got closer um, in this game. And, and like I said, it was always going to be get to the end of the season and make those decisions. But like you, the, the, the results on the field were going to be a factor. And, and that's where this result, this performance, you know, when you're going through it at the end of the year and you're looking at like, wow, can we, can we do this again? This is going to be the game you point to and be like, guys, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Shane O'Mac says, Jeff, what was the energy like on the sideline and in the locker room? It wasn't good. I mean, uh, you know, you're down 30 to seven in the, in the fourth quarter, it's not going to be great energy. You know, I didn't see, you know, the, the only, the only player that I saw visibly angry, visibly, you know, you know, having people have to come over to him and, and give him pep talks and stuff was Alante Taylor because he got benched. He was sitting on the, on the bench, interesting, right next to Derek Carr, which, you know, it's not where you would. So, Typically what happens during, you know, a defensive series is all the defensive players are up on the sideline, like getting you know ready in case they get to go in or whatever. Um, the defense was on the field and Alonte was sitting next to the quarterbacks. And so it's like, okay, he's not dealing with an injury. He doesn't even, he doesn't have a helmet. He's not getting ready to go in. He's benched. He got benched for Ugo Amadi and, and it was per, per, poor performance. DA said he got beat with his eyes a few times. And it was something they talked about going in. I'm sure that was a, that was a thing. It was like a point of emphasis. You know, there's a lot of eye candy. You can't, you can't eat the eye candy, right? You can't get baited by stuff. And I think he did too many times. And so he got sat down. Um, he was there for several minutes. Jonathan Abram came over at one point and gave him kind of a pep talk was pretty animated, you know? And I think that, you know, after that point, DA Elanti got up and kind of re-engaged on the sideline. That was probably the, the only noticeable man, this is rough kind of moment. But anytime you're down by that much, you're not going to see a ton of a ton of positive emotions. You know, everyone's angry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 low energy, man. It's low energy. The locker room clears out after that. Uh, I talked to Ike Adam. He's still gonna He's still staying positive. And in part because, you know, for him, this is a, still a big season for him, right? Like he's, uh, I think he, he he has opportunities here. He's got an opportunity. I think he's showed well. Cam Jordan was was very very disappointed in this performance, as he should be, you know. And and uh, I think that's kind of what you're asking about. And yeah, I mean it's not good, right? And so you have ten days. You come back, and I am interested to see how the team looks when they come back because I think it's very possible that you get an ugly performance in week sixteen or I'm sorry, week seventeen against the Bucks. Because I, I don't think this is the game that gets DA fired. But these final two weeks, if you come out and you get and you get your ass handed to you by two teams that you should be competitive against, I think that's the nail. I think that's the final nail, personally. But we'll see. Bubba says, Trevor Lawrence is likely out for that game. Jaguars are not going to win without him. He's questionable. So he's not ruled out. So, you know, 
I, I think it's probably unlikely that he plays. And I don't think CJ Beathard's going to walk into Tampa and win that game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the only chance the Saints have to make the postseason now is if the Jaguars can hand the Bucks a loss because then you get back to the point where you can win your final two games and get in. But it's not a not a not a not a what I would look at as a uh, I, as a be very hopeful about this scenario because of what you're talking about because Trevor Lawrence is likely going to play the dark side. Don't give me that. It was garbage time. Crap. It was 3:53 left in the game. Down by eight. Just get one stop. Da epic fail with the onside kick. It was garbage time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like you're down 30 to seven with six minutes to go. It was garbage time. You know, the Rams let you back into the game. The block punt, you know, is probably one of the only things the Saints have done well is block punts, even though they don't technically have credit for a block punt. Uh, it was garbage time. You know, sometimes garbage time can yield some some chances, and that's why you don't give up. But don't don't tell me that those two touchdown throws were were part of the competitive part of that game because they weren't. I'm sorry, they weren't. You know, they were nice throws. They were nice plays. But where was that in the first half? Right? That's why it's garbage time. That's why it's not – that's why you don't look at that and say, oh, well, Derek played well. Because you watched the first half. <laughs> you know? You know, I think, I think one of the things that this team has frustrated me more with anything else is, like, you need to be more aggressive downfield. And when they were aggressive downfield, they, they made positive plays. And, and if you're not going to hit every single downfield throw. But it seems like at times – this offense settles way too often. And it's like, just give Rashid Shahid a chance. Just give A.T. Perry a chance. Give Juwan Johnson chances. The Rams were jumping everything underneath. And you were still trying to get that done. And I get it, the offensive line. You know, you know, one of the reasons you have you struggle to hold up, it, or one of the reasons you go underneath is you're struggling to hold up in pass protection. So you can only do so much. But, you know, I, I think you just got to take chances. And you don't see enough of them. And when you when you did take those chances in this game, it worked out, you know, and, and I think like to, to me, that's my frustration is this, you know, the DA talked earlier this season about how the, one of their identities is that they're an explosive offense. Well, if, if you want that to be true, you gotta, you gotta create explosive plays and you gotta do it more often and earlier in the game, you gotta set the tone with those types of plays. It can't be a last resort. If you're going to say that's your identity. Um, and so, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy that. this that those were not garbage time stats down 23 points in the fourth quarter. It's garbage time. That's the definition of garbage time. Just because the Rams took their foot off the gas and almost almost managed to collapse in a pretty spectacular way doesn't make it any less garbage time. The truth is this. says Saints fans need their head examined because the Saints still making lots of money on us fans without being accountable. I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Like, you're still going to go root for the team. You're still, you know, like the – one of the things that's frustrating to me and one of the reasons I, I try to call it toxicity is that like the point of, of football and the point of being a fan isn't to get just angry all the time. Like it can't just be getting angry. You have to be able to enjoy the good times when they exist. Right. And so like, it, you know, part of being a fan is just being part of a community and, 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 and doing that. And, you can disagree with things. You can say, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. But I don't, I personally, I don't like it when it's just constantly, everyone's fighting. Everyone's angry all the time. Even after a win, even after a good game, it's like, well, this guy sucks. Fire this. I just like, personally, I watch sports to enjoy myself. 
And so that's why, like, I don't know, like the team, the team is out there trying to win, like, you know, and, and, and Nick, yeah, you can be mad at the front office, but it's the players who end up getting, who end up getting, who end up dealing with that the most and who end up getting the toxicity and the angry DMS and, and, and whatever. And, and I guess because I deal with these guys on a daily basis, I get a little, I, I get, I do, I am a pro player person, right? Like it, it, that's what people probably need to understand about me is I'm not carrying water for the team, but I do, I am, I don't want to use the term sensitive, but I am aware of the fact that these are human people and they're doing a job. And so when, when I, when you, when you hear me make a take, it's, it's typically going to be rooted in the fact that, that you're coming from a place of like, okay, this is another human being, not a piece on a chessboard that, that you're just going to trash relentlessly without considering that, like, you know, these guys are out there doing what they can. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like you can, I, I don't, I don't fault anyone for, you know, I've had a couple of people DM me and say, Hey, you know, my, uh, my dad's been a season ticket holder since, you know, Ricky Williams was here. And, you know, if they keep the A, he's going to cancel a season tickets. Like people are doing that. Right. And you know, that's, that's your prerogative. I, I'm not going to tell you that's, that's a, you, you shouldn't do that. Right. Uh, express yourself in whatever way you can. Um, I'm just trying to explain like why I am the way that I am. Because <laughs> I think people misunderstand when when I when I come out with takes as if they think I'm just a homer. It's like no, I mean, I just think that you know when you kind of look at the players as people, you're you're going to be a little less uh, aggressive in terms of how you approach these interactions. Personally, all right, there's like 74 more comments in here, so I'm going to try to get to as many of them as I can. P PBM eight two six four says, "Let the season play out before you call the fire, everyone." And I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to let the season play out before you say, I want everyone fired. But I do think you should understand that the team is going to do that. Like the team is not going to, after every bad loss, fire the head coach, right? Because you do have to, there it ha does have to be a level of, okay, stay the course until you can't, right? Because that course is the course for a reason. Now you can disagree with the reason, but good teams look around the league and show me all the good teams that just fire their head coach mid season uh, because, because of a bad game, right? Like it, it, that's, they, they don't, that's typically not how you operate. And I get it. There's a frustration level involved, but in most cases, well-functioning front offices are not the ones that are firing coaches mid season. If you're, if you're two and 14, if you're where the Panthers are, that's a different story. Right. And, and I get it. Like the saints had an easy schedule and they should be better than they are underperforming is not the same as an outright disaster. And the, the issue with the saints is that you have underperformed for so long that it does feel like an outright disaster. And I understand that I do. D Granger says Tampa is going to slaughter us and Loomis will do nothing to DA. I mean, what, what, what do you want to do? You have two games left in the season. And, and I do think if, if the Saints do get slaughtered by Tampa, right, like whatever, whatever you consider slaughtering to be, right, I think it's just a non-competitive game. I think if you see a repeat of week two, I'm sorry, week four, you know, I, I do think that, you know, you're, you're getting real close. <laughs> and, and then so you're, but you're not going to fire a guy before week 18. You're going to let that ride. and You're going to make your decision after the season. Uh, but like what, what does do something mean? Like what do you want Mickey to do? To, to walk out on Poydras with a sign, you know, says, this guy sucks. Like, come on. 
I mean, be realistic at least. So D Granger says DA should have never made Taylor a nickel. He's an outside corner, not inside. Cross four says Dennis Allen is benching the wrong player. Taylor wasn't performing that badly. So these are two different points. Um, Alati was playing badly. <laughs> so it was Ike, right? Like so. So it was a lot of a lot of the defense was not playing well in that game. Um, but but Alati was 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 getting was getting picked on in that game. There's no question about it. Now, do you need did you need to bench him? I don't know, but it, he he was playing badly. Now to go back to the other point, DA should never made uh, Alanti a, a nickel. He's an outside corner, not inside. I mean, I tend to agree, but I also agreed with the idea that Paul Sandivo won that position battle. Now, I personally, and if you go back, roll back the tape, this was me saying this during the bye week after Marshawn got hurt. I said, I think you should shift Alante Taylor outside to, Nick, to, to, the, to the outside corner spot because you have two weeks to do that. You can get him prepared. And you go to go Amadi at the nickel because I do agree. I don't think that he's a nickel corner. I think he is an outside corner, but Paulson Adebo was the better option, right? At that point, you had Marshawn Lattimore, and I agreed with the decision to go with Paulson Adebo. And Paulson Adebo has played incredibly well. Paulson Adebo has had a great season. So what are you going to do? Just not put Alante on the field. No. And so that's where you, you tried to make it work with Alante at nickel. It has not worked. And I don't think that that is his future at that position. And I think that's for next season, you go into it and you say, okay, how can we, what do we do? Right. You know, you, do you trade Paulson or Marshawn to try to get him on the field? You know, and that's the frustrating thing is there's only two corner spots and you have three, in my opinion, starting caliber outside corners. Honestly, you have four outside starting caliber outside corners, because I don't think, that Alante would necessarily be playing at a at a significantly higher level than Isaac, than Ike had been. But I do think that you're looking at a situation where, you know, you have a young player who's who's really losing his confidence and really, you know, and, and he's this is a guy who plays with swagger. This is a guy who I really like and I think has a future in this NFL. And I worry that what you've done to him this season is just dashing any and all confidence he was able to build last year, and you're going to be starting from scratch next offseason, regardless of what you choose to do with him. And so that's my concern. And, and I am, I am, I am, I am concerned about how that, how that goes. Cause I really like a lot. I think he's a good player. I think they can get a lot out of him, but um, it is frustrating to see what's happened with him, but all right, this is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks everyone who stuck around. Thanks everyone who, you know, was here to hear me fall and uh, bruise my tailbone, which I'm sure is going to be great to deal with all weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to let you know in the next episode, how that's faring. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone. I appreciate it everything uh you know rough game rough week saints are seven and eight we got some days off enjoy christmas i'm gonna enjoy christmas um hopefully we come back and we can have some some better conversations <laughs> about this team but as always who that go saints appreciate everyone if you haven't subscribed yet please do that if you haven't rung the bell on youtube do that as well at wwl sports you can follow me on twitter at jeff underscore noak you can follow the latest news notes and analysis at wwl.com and always wwl am 870 fm 105.3 and on the odyssey app all right who that still saying it. go saints easy y'all